Hello, it's Ramey and Dunny from Pastoral Formation, Diocese of Parramatta. We're bringing to you another episode of the Soul Food Podcast, sharing life-giving conversations and stories that nourish the soul. You know those meals that you never want to end because it was such a good feed? That's the feeling people's stories give us, and that's the sort of response we want you to experience after you listen to this episode. Hello and welcome everyone to the Soul Food Podcast. We're here today with Alison Ryan. We're also here with Donnie and myself, Ramey, and we're excited to learn more about this person that we have joining our pastoral formation team. Alison, I'm sure you'll touch on some of this as you share your story with us today. But for our listeners, why don't we just uh, give them a bit of a short bio of who you are, uh, starting from your involvement, your extensive involvement, I might add, in parish community and parish ministry, from youth and young adults to music to being on the pastoral council. You've also had a long-standing connection with the Antioch movement. Um, you've studied theology both here in Australia and abroad, um, and you're also part of the previous Parramatta Diocese Youth Pastoral Council or Youth Council. Um, and that's uh, all uh, before you've uh, decided to transition from your current role, uh, being a pastoral associate in Terrigal, uh, in Terrigal Parish. You've now uh, joined pastoral formation in the Diocese of Parramatta. Thanks for being on the show with us. How are you going, Alison? I'm doing okay. I'm a bit tired. Of, um, I'm just backing up from a friend's wedding. Uh, and so uh, jumping from a, a weekend away back into work has been fun it's sort of it's strange when you have to rest after rest but you know that's that's where we're at <laughs> well congratulations to your friend that's right it was a great party yeah nice nice so for those of you who haven't had the chance to meet Allison, you will hopefully <laughs> throughout the diocese but to share a bit about her she grew up in saint anthony's parish in Toongabbie. yeah yeah and loved serving there what's some of the things that you you were involved in yeah so i i uh, i was uh, born and and baptized and raised there um and so uh you know from a really young age i i was a um a an overhead girl yeah, all right. If Whoa. we remember the overhead, overhead projectors. projectors. Does that mean you did cartwheels or? Yeah, I mean, I wish I could. That would have been amazing. But uh, very proudly, you know, clicked the overhead projector on to, so that everyone could sing. Um, and crucial, then, uh, you know, and that actually sort of started my, my desire, I think, to join the choir because I'd always be looking at the choir. Mm. And so then uh, through, through our youth group, through our Antioch group, I was able to um, sort of start doing a bit more music and, and learnt guitar and little things like that. And so joined uh, choirs and, and led choirs and did things like that. And then, um, yeah, actually I was the youngest member of the pastoral council ever in, in Toongabbie Parish history when I joined at 18. Wow. Um, just as soon as I could, I wanted to jump into as much leadership as possible. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that was a, a big learning experience for me there. And um and uh, and so you know served on hospitality committees or, or the liturgy committee, um, loads of things. So just really loved to be able to be of service to the community as I grew up. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, we do have a question that we ask everyone who comes onto the space. You might have heard it before, Alison. I might have because I might have done my homework. <laughs> but we do ask everyone who comes on Soul Food what their last memorable dish or meal was, and what comes to mind for you. So uh, I I want to. Um, 
trick you and give you two. Is that okay? Yeah, please. Because it occurred to me today that they're, they're quite funny. So the last memorable one was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, my friend uh, Natty was graduating. Congratulations, Natty. Um, and her boyfriend had planned a surprise dinner at a Brazilian restaurant. Mm -hmm. Have you guys done Brazilian? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. It's, it's so Amazing. much. Just meat of all kinds mm -hmm. available just, you know, people will walk around and cut meat onto uh, your plate. Yeah, on the skewers. On the skewers, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And so every meat you can possibly think of and like a couple of cheeses and you finish with this uh, pineapple That's with cinnamon sugar, right? <laughs> and I had no idea. I'd never never done it before, but it was a huge deal. And then the, the um, uh, you know, the bookend uh, is this weekend I'm going to a vegan restaurant. Ooh. So I've gone from extreme meat to extreme <laughs> vegan. So Bodhi restaurant in the city, which is brilliant. They do oh, so all good. vegan yum cha. And the number of times that I've been there and the people I go with are like, so, um, you know, that one's chicken and that one's prawn. I'm like, none of it's chicken or prawn. It just tastes like, and they're like, what? I thought I was eating. <sighs> anyway, so it's, yeah, that the, they're my two most memorable that I've been thinking about recently and bookending quite different ways of eating. Mm -hmm. That yeah. sounds so delicious. Oh, it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> both of them. They're both great. Yeah, and it's a great experience um, trying out different cuisines, uh, particularly mm. Brazilian, which isn't as common as, say, for example, you mentioned yum cha or, um, you know, the good good old steak, but to try meat in a different way. That's pretty right. cool. Very much so. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I sort of, I love... Uh, being able to move sort of fluidly in that way, sort of really enjoying vegan uh, yum cha or, or jumping into, you know, the crazy, um, you know, and it's really, it's usually just quite plain meat as well. So you get the amazingness of the food for what it is, not for all the spices and the everything mm. else. So, you know, in yeah. saying that, um, I find that you're coming across as someone who's eclectic and open to different things. Yeah. Um, Remy mentioned earlier that you're jumping onto our, our team or you're, you're now part of our team. So just wanted to hear a little bit of your story as to the different places where um, you felt has led to this point of mm. saying, yes, I want to be part of partial formation in the Diocese of Parramatta. And yeah, just uh, use as many stories as you can from different experiences uh, just to give us a bit of insight on who is Al Ryan and mm. what she hopes to offer in this ministry. Yeah, well, who is Al Ryan? Uh, I was born at a very early age, as they say, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, I guess um, uh, career-wise, uh, it's always been uh, church or um, childcare, not-for-profit mm -hmm. uh, childcare community uh, run sort of things. And, um, and it's only been recently that I've been reflecting that um, actually I think I've always wanted that. I've never wanted to sort of work in an office or do um, you know, nine to fives and, and, mm. and those sorts of things. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I often have said about my life that I've fallen into it. I've accidentally got a job here. Like I accidentally got a job in childcare when I was, um, you know, in my 19 or 20, I think, and uh, accidentally sort of moved in this direction or that. And of course, you know, in hindsight, I can say, well, something was moving in my life, you know, mm. and, and um, you know, I now would give that all to to God and to the Spirit, but um, at the time you don't know, and so <laughs> uh, it, it's those sorts of things. But um, yeah, so uh, working um, part time or full time every now and again in uh, 
parishes uh, around Parramatta um, and and in Broken Bay Diocese as well. Uh, got a shout out to Broken Bay. That was my first and most recent jobs uh, mm. were in Broken Bay. Um, so working with people is a huge thing for me. Uh, big youth ministry background um, stemming from, I guess, my formation in the Antioch Youth Movement. Um, which was yeah most of, a good decade of my my formative years um, and I'm very grateful for that uh, and then yeah the desire to to want to continue um, that movement to to invite other people into the experiences into the love into the community that I found through Antioch um, meant that I wanted to go and be a youth minister and mm. so I did that and um, was connected in a lot of ways with um uh you know uh sacramental processes and different things like that in in parishes and so that led to adult faith formation because i was right. working with families and their parents and and somebody was saying you say all this great stuff to the kids can you can you say something to us I'm like, oh yeah sure and and so it just sort of naturally developed um to support uh you know different parish groups in that way um, and yeah, and so then I um, I went to Israel. Is that is that a weird sort of conjecture? I don't know. No, no. I, and then I, I went I to like, Israel yeah, one time. I, I, <laughs> I feel like that's um, again eclectic. Eclectic. <laughs> is I know. <laughs> it is a bit strange. Yeah. So I went to Israel in uh, 2009 um, on a study tour. Um, and I was sort of feeling a bit out of my depth. I'd never really done too much study other than high school, you know, and I wasn't very good at that. Um, and so I went over with a, a small group um, from Australia and studied scripture with Jewish rabbis, with Christian scholars wow. in the land um, and understanding something of um, the the historical context, of the um, the cultural context and, and it just blew everything open for me. I distinctly remember actually walking through uh, a, a grape vine area in, in Jerusalem one day and thinking, oh, this is what you should do with your life. You love this stuff. Mm. And so from that you know, experience, an amazing experience, um, I came back to Australia and enrolled in a theology degree. And... Uh, did that for uh, I did that sort of part time because I wanted to make sure that I could um, do all my readings. How how nerdy is that? <laughs> I wanted to make sure I could do my readings, um, but you know get everything done and didn't have to rush through it. So I did that working part time in in ministry um, and and loved it. Loved every second of it. Turned out I was actually not too bad at, at university when mm. it was something that I was really passionate about. And so I yeah I did my degree with a um, uh, a major in biblical studies and a, another arts major in drama, which was always, you know, the norm as well, uh, that eclectic thing you were saying. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I did that. And so that's been um, really amazing, obviously, in helping me um, work in parishes more and work with people more. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, amazing degree uh, experience uh, with Australian Catholic University and the Catholic Institute of Sydney. Another shout out. Yeah, shout out. That's right. Um, yeah, and then I guess that's how I came here. I I just, uh, the opportunity to work as a pastoral formation facilitator for my home diocese 
um, I I couldn't turn it down, and so I thought I'd give it a crack. And um, they seemed to like me and and my experiences and my vision. Um, and I certainly love and believe in the vision of of the diocese as well. So. Mm. Is that okay? I've arrived. Totally. <laughs> Thank you. I just I'm checking. Yeah. It's incredible actually to to hear more of your story and to me I, what I'm hearing is it sounds like quite an adventure that you've been on, you know, even from your uh, early introduction you're saying you started with the overhead projector. Yes. You know, and you just say yes and then you notice things. You're like, "Oh, you notice the choir and then just throughout life you've noticed these opportunities and so grateful to have you on the pastoral formation team. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to have a lot of fun but also working on a vision together. Mm. I think that will be Yeah, I'm just I'm really excited and really happy that you're here. So. Me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I can't wait. I, it's sort of weird. I'm the new kid, but I'm definitely older than you two. So it's sort of like a, a weird balance that we'll have to strike because I'll be like, yes, I'm the old wise one. And how do I do that? Oh, <laughs> <come> <laughs> <on>. <laughs> Teach me. I have a question sure. for yourself. You mentioned that you were in the an area with the vines and oh yeah like a like a it was a garden but they had these beautiful grape Mm. trellises yes it's gorgeous and you had that moment like i this Mm. is what i want to do this is what i love to do what would you say to someone who is looking at exploring scripture because the reason why i ask this is because i went to a public school in my senior year so year 11 and 12 and doing religion in uh, public school is interesting. Mm. You meet a lot of different people. Your perspective has widened. I had this moment where I was like, what? Not everyone is Catholic? Because <laughs> I, went, I went to a Catholic school yeah. from kindergarten to, yeah, yeah. to year 10. And so the different questions would come up. And it was really someone in, the, um, in a different Christian denomination who opened my eyes to loving scripture. Mm. And so... I guess for you, as someone that I know that loves scripture, how would you, um, what would you say to someone who who is open to exploring that? Yeah, wow. Um, I guess that there's that uh, sort of classic joke about Catholics not being really good at scripture. (laughs) And um, I guess I have, again, Antioch to thank for that because on my first weekend I got given a little Bible. Um, everybody did, you know, mm. everyone who came along got a little Bible and I've still got it. It's in my car, wow. all marked up, loads of things in there. Um, and it was something that I've I've carried around um, since, you know, I was 15 or something on my first weekend, I think. And, uh, and so um, having that just easy experience of you can read this and when you read it, you don't have to be right or wrong. That was sort of the, the feel that I got for it. So I could just read it. And if I had questions, I could have questions. And if I found something beautiful, I could find it beautiful. And, and, and however that was. Um, so I would say, uh, you know, get a Bible. Nice. <laughs> Number one. And, and, and uh, a lot of people ask me about like what the best Bible is. And the mm. best Bible is the one you're going to read. Because it's no use buying a Bible and then putting it on the shelf because it's beautiful or because it's, you know, a, a particular translation or anything. If you're not going to read it, why is it there? Um, and then it steps after that. You know, it depends on how you want to read the Bible. Do you want to um, engage in it um, devotionally? Well, we have 
uh, in the Catholic tradition, you know, the lectionary, those daily readings that can be a really beautiful devotional way of, of engaging with scripture um, that doesn't necessarily have to take in, uh, you know, a historical context or, mm. or something like that. But if you want to learn more about where the scriptures came from and, and how they were brought together. Well, there's loads of great Australian scholars. I mean, Laurie Woods, mm -hmm. who I know is a, a big fan of, uh, well, we're a big fan of him. The pastoral formation <laughs> team is a big fan of Laurie's. He was one of my uh, lecturers at ACU. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I got to learn from him and a lot of others. Michelle Connolly um, was my gospels lecturer. Um, and, wow. and so there's loads of... Um, uh, resources, even just in Australia, but all over the place, of people who can really um, help take that next step into um, learning more. But but to say, I, I guess the hmm, uh, the greatest thing that I ever want people to think about the Bible is that I can read it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a uh, a story, a, like it's a book <laughs> that was not written to you. It was written to a group of people two to 4,000 years ago on the other side of the world, but it is written for you. Mm -hmm. And so if you can pick that up and in some way not necessarily um, understand it or, 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 or um, be able to write an essay about it or anything like that, but just to read it as something that is for me, even though it's not to me in that sort of literal sense that it mm -hmm. was written in a time and place, you know. Um, yeah, so just pick up a Bible. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> that's great. That's, that's a great question <laughs> as well, bad. Remy. I, um, I, I like that distinction two and four because um, mm -hmm. it really honors the, the Jewish tradition that we um, uh, stand in debt to as, mm -hmm. as Christians um, and also acknowledging that something about the Bible transcends time and space mm -hmm. and, and connect with us in a special way. Mm -hmm. Um, you've mentioned a couple of times, and I think just for the interest of listeners who have never come across it by chance, um, <laughs> Antioch. Oh, yeah. If you could uh, summarize what that is or um, yeah, sure. yeah, if you're going to introduce someone to Antioch, what, where would you start and what would you say? Yeah, so Antioch um, is a, a, a parish-based peer-to-peer ministry program, um, and it was the first of its kind in Australia in the 1980s, um, and so it blew up. You know, mm. when, when there's no other youth ministries happening, um, it goes everywhere. At its peak, there was, I think, one in three parishes across Australia had an Antioch group. Wow. Um, and, and so it just it spread like wildfire um, uh, across Australia when it was first introduced. And, um, and so it, it, uh, it was a, a community of young people between about the ages of 15 to early 20s, you know, mm -hmm. um, who would meet together weekly. And then would run um, what were called outreach weekends once or twice a year to um, evangelize and, and welcome new people into the community. Um, and these weekends would take you through a whole bunch of talks that the young people would give, um, heaps of music, heaps of fun, um, heaps of community building and um, and welcoming new people into that community. So that's how it sort of stayed alive and, and stayed vibrant um, over the years. Uh, Antioch is so multi-layered that I, I could do a whole podcast just on Antioch. But mm. um, that's where I learned to be a leader. It's where I learned to be a musician. It's where I learned to be, um, uh, you know, someone who shares life with other Christians. Um, it's where I learned to be someone who um, is connected to and grounded in my parish. Um, all of these things and more, you know. Um, and 
so much of it is um, what I like to call like ninja. Like you don't notice it happening at the time. It's like a secret ninja. How you how you get connected, um, and 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 that's part of the beauty of it. You know, like I uh, on my first weekend met you know thirty amazing young people, mm-hmm. but actually what I was meeting was Jesus. You know, in in these people, I was encountering Jesus, mm-hmm. and and. I didn't know that, you know, I was 15 and just thought, wow, you guys are cool. Um, and, and that was sort of part of the, um, the brilliance and the simplicity of, of Antioch. And it's still going, there's still uh, a bunch of groups around Australia. Um, but it's certainly, uh, you know, what a wonderful problem is, is one of the uh, phrases about it because all of the Antiochers from the eighties are now leaders in the church and they're running their own sort of stuff. And oh, so, you know, uh, it's a wonderful problem to not have as many as there used to be because there's so many more opportunities, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's beautiful. It sounds like a lot of my experience as well. Growing up in my formative years and being in a Christian community, people same age. I I, I think one of the moments where I was like, "What? You're that's a Christian? It's uh, someone who was playing in music ministry, mm. um, and they were, you know." shredding away on their guitar and i was like well and then and then them linking that with prayer like that was Mm -hmm. a form of prayer for them i was like whoa you can do that Mm -hmm. um i always thought it was just going to church that was that was the way to pray and so just opened my eyes to to that um something that you've mentioned in your in your story is uh, meeting jesus in people Mm. tell me a bit more about that um yeah so uh what i would term relational ministry um, so where we meet Christ in um, those that we uh, come across in any part of the world. It doesn't have to be um, in our parishes. Um, you know, some of the uh, most amazing encounters with Christ that I've had are um, people that I've just met on the street or, or people that I've um, come across randomly at a, a party or something like that. Um, but the idea that um, that when we really look to see that God and and Christ in particular is in all of creation um, is the um, is the divine spark in all of us you know mm-hmm. um, that's the sort of crazy upside downness of of what we believe as Christians is um, through the spirit that God um, is in us has decided to make, his dwelling in us. Um, and so uh, when we open ourselves up to um, see and understand that that's what I'm doing. So when I meet somebody, I'm meeting Christ. Um, when I uh, encounter um, an idea um, from a person, then then I'm encountering something of God. Uh, that's sort of part of uh, what I what I've learnt, um, like I said, a bit ninja, a bit sort of um, accidentally, but also what I try and and take into um, all of my ministry, in all of my work with people, um, and hopefully on the train, and hopefully, um, you know, when I'm walking down the street, all of those things, you know, um, yeah. One thing I picked up from one of the podcasts that we released before, um, uh, Len. Blahut was actually mentioning it, the difference between hearing and listening, where hearing is this openness to the things around you and um, 
before you can take it in, you need to hear first, and then it's in the chewing of that stuff. That's when you listen. Mm. I think just throughout, be it scripture, um, childcare, your involvement in Antioch, uh, you come across Allison as this person who is really receptive to the Spirit's movement um, mm. in your life. And I'm just wondering how that then, um, to use an expression from Ramey now, uh, how your adventure in the Parramatta Diocese uh, now comes to working with people. What does that look like um, in a practical way? Uh, what does this part of your journey look like for you? I mean, you're, you're giving me a lot of credit. I think that um, uh, it is, uh, you know, the, the adventure and it is something that I am open and receptive, but I don't know if I know it at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and that's almost part of the fun you know, in some ways where you look back and say, oh, I see, I see how the spirit's weaving there. Uh, so, yeah, so one of my uh, portfolios as I move into this pastoral formation team um, is actually going to be going out into parishes and supporting uh, parish renewal, pastoral planning, and in particular working with pastoral councils, deanery councils, and the diocesan councils. So um, that's I guess like it's the real people on the ground stuff of of the diocese, you know, um, that it, it doesn't make any sense for us to be here working in this team, except if we're working with people, mm. you know. Um, and so I have that great privilege of, of being able to um, walk with them as they discern, um, you know, the best ways forward for their individual communities or um deaneries or the diocese um, to be, uh, you know, they're working, I guess I've been trying to think about this, I think working for the bishop with the people or something like that, because he's got great vision Mm -hmm. um, and we're really blessed to have a bishop with such great vision. And so, um, you know, my job is to sort of uh, draw people into that vision and then ask them to... um, to listen and to uh, be the voice of the the people around them um, for the bishop again, and so you know, being being part of that movement is going to be uh, great fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, well, a couple of things just hearing you say that big task. It sounds massive. Oh I, yeah, no, I'll get it done next week. I mean, like, <laughs> no, you know, problems what today. is it? Three hundred. Just three. Three hundred thousand. Three hundred thousand Catholics. Yeah, in it's, it's Parramatta. No problems. <laughs> no. But but that language being thrown <laughs> around now, combination of, you know, um, the spirit and I suppose you'd, you'd hope good planning around it as well. Um, this language of synodality that's mm-hmm. happening. Very it, much so. it seems like that's that's uh, one of the things that you'll take around to the parishes. But just so that um, uh, for the parish uh, people who are listening to us now, in particular those involved in parish councils. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the things that you'll keep in mind as you engage with them as maybe one or two sort of uh, principles that you'll say, okay, as I visit people, work with parish councils, these will be my two things that I keep in the back of my mind as I journey with people. What would mm. you say those things are? Gosh, I mean, you're asking me to narrow it down and I've got about 75 <laughs> things. <laughs> or how about the um, first two things that come to mind <laughs> without <two>. any <laughs> particular priority? <laughs> uh, I think in... Uh, First of all, first and foremost, um, I hope that I'll be able to um, help them create spaces to um, to fill with as they see fit. You know, the, the mm. space is the first question. Can we make a space where people are able to um, be heard 
um, be seen, be understood, be known, be loved, all of those things. So, so space as a first thing, um, but then we've got to fill that space. Um, and, and I think uh, one, of the, one of the things that keeps coming back to me is specifically with pastoral councils, how do we do listening? And that's very much in the synodal sort of process. Um, but it's kind of, it can be an airy-fairy idea of, oh, yes, we listen, and that's good and important, but how do we do it in a way that is um, practical and measurable, mm-hmm. I guess? Um, mm-hmm. So my hope is that, um, you know, I, we'll, we'll be able to bring this, um, you know, some scaffolding ideas um, to, to this space that we create together and then fill that space with the support of, of different tools um, with the voice of the people, mm-hmm. with um, the needs of the, the local uh, parishioners or um, the local community more broadly even, and how um, we as a diocese can then journey um, more towards you know, the ideals um, of certainly synodality, certainly... Um, co-responsibility with the bishop, um, addressing particular needs uh, as they arrive uh, individually. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a joyful approach to, mm. to people of God working together. That's, yeah. that's great. That's great. Yeah. So synodality meaning walking together and, mm. you know, and we had lockdown for a couple of years and all we could do was walk, <laughs> you know, within <laughs> yeah. a five kilometer radius. I don't know if you remember that. Great insight. And yeah. And so that was, um, yeah, I guess a, uh, uh, insight into what we would be doing in a spiritual sense as well in mm-hmm. our ministry, walking together. It's um, not just about listening, but also arriving somewhere at a destination together. Mm. And this accompaniment, like it's not just someone talking at someone, but also um, sharing ideas and working it out together. And uh, yeah, looking forward to, to that happening more. I, I find that when I was visiting parishes that, you know, it's some parishes were already doing this and they didn't have that language of synodality um, to name it, but it's, it's beautiful to see and to br- make that come alive in, yeah. in our work. So, mm-hmm. And I'm definitely learning. Like that's, you know, my whole experience immediately. Um, but I hope that it's going to be continuing to be my experience. You know, um, it's, uh, there's no use trying to do something that works somewhere and say, let's transplant it exactly to yeah. another parish or another community because it's not going to work. You know, you can take some of the core principles like synodality, like, um, you know, a hundred other things. But uh, but part of it is that journeying to find out what fits, what works, how are we going to move forward here? Mm-hmm. Um, not how, how would you move forward if you were somewhere else, but the here and now um, and, and being, yeah, being a learner the whole way through. So we're heading towards the end of the podcast and um, sharing great stories and, and insights and hopes, I think. And I, I want to end on this hope sort of note, um, part of the journey of listening to other people and and learning, as you mentioned. I wanted to ask you, Alison, what would be your ideal experience of being a Catholic Hmm. An ideal experience of being a Catholic. 
I'm going to have to steal somebody else's wise words. I want to say, I want to say it's James Mallon, the um, Father James who, who wrote uh, Divine Renovation that talked about um, the Catholic Church being a place where you are known and you are loved. Um, and, and that, I think, um, is something that scares us, you mm -hmm. know, to be really known and to be really loved. I think is something that scares us in terms of me being known and loved and having to know and to love. Um, but that's got to be the bottom line, right? That's got to be the bottom line when we're talking about being um, a, a Catholic, being uh, part of the church that says that Jesus is our model, right? Uh, because he knew and loved. He knew everybody and he loved everybody. And... Um, and so if I were to uh, become a part of a community, you know, a, a local community, and I could say that I felt known and felt loved and I knew and I loved people, um, then I think that would be the ideal for me. Mm, yeah. mm, I love that. That's quite <laughs> profound. And I think for us, as we close off this podcast, just to reflect for ourselves in the faith communities that we are in, in our friendships, in our families, um, with strangers, how do we, or in a parish community, particularly for those who are listening, how do we know people? Do mm. we know people? And how do we show this love to, to others who walk through our parish doors or our parish offices? Yeah. So um, thank you, Alison. And yeah, Alison, just really looking forward to creating wonderful things with you in the diocese. We're so lucky to have you as part of Pastoral Formation. I'm feeling super lucky to be here. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Alison. Thank you, Donnie. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Soul Food Podcast. Don't forget to like and follow us on Spotify or on your preferred listening platform. This podcast is produced by Pastoral Formation Mission Enhancement Team in the Diocese of Parramatta. All relevant links will be provided in the description below. See you at our next meal on the Soul Food Podcast.